William Bordeaux looked very up for this. Yeah, the European music starting in the background, so we know what uh, what to expect. Challenge Cup Rugby, Bordeaux here two hours in advance, did a very long warm-up in very wet conditions. It started to clear a little bit now, but handling the ball could be a little bit tricky. The first 20 minutes, it's going to all about the accuracy, give nothing away. And uh, Connell will be looking to settle in. They've got a few guys making their debuts off the bench today, so good deal of excitement around. Everybody packing in. Good atmosphere here. Quite a few French fans. Really looking forward to this. Should hopefully be a cracker. We'll talk again on 20 minutes. Connacht recycle and keep it going. Inside the Bordeaux 22, no score on the scoreboard so far. Plenty of action in these early stages. A pass out and Connacht are trying to make it happen. Good top tackles and Connacht have lost a few yards in the gain lines. Back on the 22 metre line as Cardi receives it in the first receiver position and he just passes it on to Bundiaki who's tackled around about the same point on the 22 metre line. Connacht just need to get back on the front foot if they can get half the opportunity to do so. The carry from Cannon, the support from Rue. The brilliant line from McCabe. He's gone right through the gap. That's wonderful stuff. He made 20 metres up to within 5 metres of the line. Connacht recycle a pick and go at the base. They could be over, are they? If they are, they've scored a wonderful try. That's clever work. And Connacht have got the first score of the game. And just checking out who it was. They kind of picked it up at the fringe and saw the opportunity to score. I think it was Godwin coming in there. Kyle Godwin acting as scrum half. Caught Bordeaux on the wares and Connacht have got the first try of the game. 20 minutes gone. Connacht leads 7 points to nil, William. Yep, they're just starting to get a little bit more control in this game now. They've just won a good scrum penalty. Uh, nice break by Peter McCabe, and on his shoulder was Kyle Godwin for his first Connacht try. Bordeaux started off with a uh, lot of enthusiasm. I think it's waning a little bit at the moment. Connacht just need to make sure now that they stay focused on this, get a couple more scores, and uh, I think they'll start to take complete control. I think so too. We'll talk again at halftime. Halftime score, Connacht 10 Bordeaux Begla 3. Hmm. Indeed, mm, Alan. Uh, second 20 minutes, Connick, Connick just lost their concentration, I think. They didn't, didn't look after the ball. They were very inaccurate. And they had, had to do a couple of really tough defensive stands. Not asked a lot of questions because they haven't thrown the ball wide. They've kept it very tight. But it allowed uh, Bordeaux back into the game. And they've seized that opportunity. And uh, Peter McCabe's gone off, so... Um, they're going to have to tighten it up fairly quickly and they'll be playing it in, against the wind in the second half. So um, it's game on when it didn't look like that after 20 minutes. It certainly didn't. We'll talk again in 60 minutes and hopefully in better form. Connick in the Bordeaux 22 and they have an awful steady scrum. Conan O'Donnell has come on for Peter McCabe who was doing well himself. He's done well, Conan O'Donnell as well. The slag about out. It comes to the back line. It's gone on to Jack Curdy on a looping run. He was nearly in himself. He went to pass it off. The ball went to ground. Connacht looked like they had picked it up and taken it over and scored, but a knock-on has been deemed. I didn't see a knock-on there, if I'm being honest, but the ball did hit the ground. Let's see, can he use the TMO? Because we've been a little bit unsure on that. They've replayed it on the video. He's checked with his touch judge. This is confusing now, under the new laws in terms of the Challenge Cup. He's having a long chat with Bordeaux, which tells me that we got a try coming to Connacht. Kyle Godwin, the eventually the sc- scorer, it was meant for Keen Kelleher. It was dropped at his boots. He kicked it kind of uh, forward, but he didn't touch it with his hands. Godwin tidies up, scrappy stuff, but a try has been awarded. 63 minutes gone. There's been so many substitutes in this half. We've been, <laughs> we've been a bit busy. Connacht leads 17-10. This is a tough game, William. 
Yeah, it's a very tough game. I mean, Connacht have just haven't got up to the pace of it, really. Bordeaux have kept working really, really hard. Wouldn't like to call it from here. Substitutes are going to be key for, for both sides. Bench is starting to clear. Connacht have a scrum penalty, so an opportunity to get a bit of field position. Someone they haven't had much in this half, and uh, you know, the score would be very, very handy. Yeah, Kyle Godwin scored for Connacht, and Bordeaux scored while uh, Robin, Copeland was, Robin Copeland was in the bin. So we'll talk again on full-time. Full-time William Connacht win, 22 points to 10. Tough stuff. Yeah, that was a proper grinding old game. Uh, Connacht never quite established enough dominance. They had bits and times when they were well in, but they didn't get their bonus point. It's as hard a game as I expected it to be, but I still thought they might get, they might have got a bonus point, but they didn't. Uh, fair play to Bordeaux, they came to play, they worked very, very hard. A couple of times if they let the ball go, maybe taking it away from the forwards, but that was, uh, that was a slog. I'd like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at connachtlan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. So, good win for Connacht on the podcast this week. We have William Davis. Evening, Alan. And Dave Finn. Ah, good evening, everyone. And Lindley will join us in a few moments. So, whilst we wait for Lindley, let's hear what Andy Friend and Kyle Godwin had to say. We're going to get the views of the Bordeaux coach, Rory Teague, as well. Andy, you expected a, a tough game. Was, was, was that harder than you thought it was going to be? We knew it was going to be physical. Um, I think we probably made it a bit harder than it needed to be. Uh, but, yeah, credit to Bordeaux. They've turned up and, and they, they did want to play there today. Sometimes the French sides, as we know, touring and, and wet weather, they don't want to play. But they did and they hung in there well. So credit to them. Um, but we needed to be more clinical at certain, certain times during that game. And was that maybe just not getting quite to the pace of the game at times? It seems as if Connacht were kind of maybe stuck in second gear. Yeah, we talked about moving them around. Uh, yeah, our message at halftime was we haven't worked them, boys. We haven't worked. I thought defensively we got off the ground quickly, but in attack we seemed to be, we weren't set quick. Uh, didn't think we had enough depth onto the ball. I didn't think our carries were dominant enough. Um, so we made life pretty tough for ourselves in, in an area where we said, listen, we, we really wanted to move them. But yeah, conditions probably didn't help that, but uh, I, I think we could have been better. Was it a case, Connor, were waiting for players were waiting for somebody else to do it, and there wasn't enough collective. Uh, it looked, it looked a little bit like that, didn't it? But it was, I'm not sure. It's, yeah, sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it. Um, yeah, there was certainly energy in the change room before the game and after the game, and I thought the way we came out in the second half was good. Um, but uh, yeah, just for for too many periods there in that first half, when you know I felt like we had to go, like go now, move, but we didn't. We slowed the thing down, so. I think we're still trying to find that balance about you know, being a, a team that wants to play with real tempo and ambition and also making sure we are respecting opposition and conditions and, and keeping the ball in front. And sometimes you don't get all those decisions right. Kyle took his two tries nicely. He did well, yeah. He, um, I thought he did very well with both those tries. Uh, so that was pleasing for him and, and good to have him starting again. To get four points, uh, is, there, is there a disappointment maybe that you didn't get five considering the fact that Sale picked up five last night? 
Yeah, saw that sales score. Uh, you know, you, you do. You, you want five points from home if you can. I think the other important thing is is to deny opposition points, which we did. Um, wet conditions there today, but you know we still had moments and opportunities to get five five points. So yeah, we are disappointed with that, but we'll take the four and, and get ready for sale next week. Bit of rotation again for sale next week. Might have to up it a little bit, bring a few guys back in. Yeah, we've we've uh, well, we needed to rest a few bucks. We had um, you know, six pretty solid games at the front end of the Pro 14. So uh, I feel like the squad's in a healthy spot at the moment. Um, we will rotate a few more boys and give a few more blacks opportunities uh, into sale next week. But um, you know, I, I think what's important we can't be saying because we don't have the perceived front liners out there that. Uh, you know, that we're not a, a good show of winning those games. It's for it's for the other blokes that come in to make sure they take a step up. Not we we shouldn't regress or or or, uh, or stay stagnant. So, um, you know, that's the competition we want within the squad. And if players get their opportunity, I want them to take it. Carl Goldwyn joining me here, playing on the wing today, in the rain at the sports ground. How was that? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it's a new position for me, but I enjoyed playing out there with the boys and getting the win. You know, it was a hard fought fight. It was. It was pretty scrappy, but um, as long as we got the win at the end of the day. It was a tough game. It, it, it's, it sort of it had a, a maybe a slightly different physical edge than you see in the Pro 14. There didn't seem to be much room out there at all. No, definitely. I thought I, I thought the game never really got to flow. Um, I think the, that was definitely weather dependent. And just for us, we wanted to play with that up-tempo, and I never really felt that we ever got, got to that point. Um, but credit to our defence. You know, we had um, some really strong D in that end of that first half, you know, throughout the game. So I thought that was a definite positive for us. Yeah, the defensive stand there kind of took the, the window to their sails because the second 20 minutes of the first half, they were they were playing really well. Yeah, they were. They were. They were throwing everything at us. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're at a quality side and I'm sure they're going to be fighting for redemption when we go back to Bordeaux in a couple of months. Is that the first time you've played against a French side? Um, I've played a few French sides. I played the French Barbarians a couple of years ago uh, with the Australia A side. And then, but that, yeah, that was the first proper French side I first. Is there anything that you can say, say, oh, right, I understand now what people talk about, or is there anything, any, any moment that sort of stands out for you? Uh, with vers- versing the French guys, um, I can assure you they're big men. They're always notoriously big, so and I've heard rumours of that, and, you know, they're, they're some big men in their team. You've been looking for a starting position now. It's, it's great for to be in the, in the mix, and you'll be looking for sale next week, I'd say. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, as I said before, you know, there's so much competition in the side, so which is a good thing. And it's a, it gives the coaches headaches, but um, yeah, just make sure that it keeps the boys switched on and clear and focused and ready to perform. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bordeaux came and put a big challenge to Connacht today. Yeah, we're on on the whole happy with the way the boys engaged in the match. Um, firstly, congratulations to to Connacht. I thought they controlled the game better than we did and and played the conditions. Perhaps they uh, had a bit more experience of playing in these conditions um, so we'll take the positives out of that and our boys will, will grow from this for sure. Um, a little bit disappointed but nevertheless I feel that the the squad took a step forward in, in certain areas today despite losing. Was it important for you when you when you when you make changes that people stand up and um, seem to they took the game to connect at various points particularly in the latter part of the first half? Yeah for sure um, having come from an Anglo-Saxon inv- uh, environment. I think it's quite well known that sometimes if you can get if you can get ahead against French teams, they can sometimes check the towel in. Their minds already on the on the game the next weekend. But 
that wasn't the case whatsoever today. I felt our boys uh, fought until the end, put a good Connacht side under pressure. Um, had some examples of some debutants. We had Mariona Galazza who arrived last week, who announced the line-outs the line in French. S uh, Simon Desoubiers, who played his first game at fullback, he's a 19-year-old. Um, so, you know, there, there are some positives to take away from it, and notably the, the, the spirit that the boys brought to the game and, and how they confronted a, a, a good, um, robust Connacht team who were going well in their, in their championship here in, uh, in Ireland. I've seen quite a few French teams come here. That was one of the most positive-looking warm-ups I've ever seen. I thought you put them through. They went through quite a hard drill out there in nasty conditions, and I sort of felt these guys are, these guys are here to play. Yeah, for sure. Look, we're, we're a club that's that's hit the reset button um, this year. We've made a lot of changes in terms of players and staff. Um, you know, and the warm-up doesn't change whether we're playing um, at our training ground, if we're playing at um, Shaban Damas, we're playing at the Matmut Stadium, we're playing here in, in Connacht. Our warm-up warm -up is our warm-up because we believe that's what you need to do to prepare the guys for what is a, a very physical sport. I know we're pleased with the way we, we warmed up and the way we, we, we started the game. Unfortunately, there was one uh, individual error that, that cost us a try. Uh, and then off the back of that, a little bit too many individual errors. That's not to say that it's the individual's fault. I think coaches and, uh, and support staff will also look at the way that we can, we can help support the players moving forward and create the best possible learning environment for them to grow each week. And what, what, what are you hoping to get out of um, the Challenge Cup this year? How does it uh, rate in, in what you're attempting for the season? It's a good question in France. Uh, the top 14 is a, is a really strong emotional league um, and there's a lot of uh, pressure and uh, focus around top 14 for sure. The Challenge European for us is a, is a competition that we're going we're gonna aim to aim to win for sure. Uh, it's also an opportunity for us to turn our players a little bit because we played seven back-to-back -back games in the top 14 and um, it's, a, it's a quite um, attritional league. So it's an opportunity for us to turn our players a little bit. Um, but nevertheless, um, as the guys said here um, from Connacht, they, they want to win silverware, so do we. If we win silverware in top 14, we, we win silverware in Champions Cup. We'll be happy. We're on a journey together. We're growing as a club. Um, everyone's on the same page for the first time in a long time. So there's lots of positives to take out of it. And for sure, we're going to try and do as much as we can in this competition. Well, Connacht are back over there in uh, January, so we'll, at that stage, I suppose a lot will depend on, on where both sides are, maybe in their respective leagues, and what there is to play for in that final game in the pool. Look, hopefully by the time uh, you guys come back out to us in January, we would have continued to grow as a club, um, both on and off the field. I would imagine that we'd probably be a little bit further down the line than, than where we are now, so you know, expect a, a, similar, a similar challenge. Um, a French team at home is quite a tough challenge for, for foreign teams to come away. Um, but I think that French rugby is going through a cycle now where winning at home and, uh, and away is just equally as important as you saw today. Toulouse have, have gone and won it uh, at Bath. So good for French rugby. Um, not our result, but nevertheless, we'll continue to grow, stay positive um, and continue pushing the players uh, along the journey. So Dave, were you happy with that result? Result, yes. Performance, yeah. Overall, I'm sure, thank God it wasn't on TV because it would have been, people would have been switching over. The second half was a relative non-event, but, you know, a lot. It depends on, what, if you're a glass half full person, it was, that was a good result. And when the team clicks into place, we're going to go storming. 
And if you're glass, glass half empty person, you'll be looking at going, well, we got the result, but the performance was poor and better teams will do a job on this. It was one of those performances. It seemed a bit like that, William, all right? Yeah, they never, never really got to the pace of the game. Uh, but it was a kind of a paceless game. It, it never really sparked. And um, I think they're happy with the result, but they're disappointed with the performance. They are indeed, and Lindley's joined us. Lindley, quick thoughts on that result? Just good to get a win, I guess. I mean, I suppose they haven't played in conditions like this for a while as well. Um, so I think that just certainly affected the game today. But I actually was I was quite impressed the fact that they stood up against a team of very strong forwards, big pack for the most part, and introduced a few youngsters who got game time, which is great, and they got the win. Rory Teague, uh, with one of what I saw as one of the most interested French teams that have come to the sports ground in a long time. Yeah, he talks in the interview there about resetting uh, and the things, that, there must have been some difficulties in that club and yeah, look, the, I, I asked him about the warm-up because I've seen French teams here go through the, the most abysmal warm-ups. They arrived two hours early, the bus pulled in, they hopped off, they were out in the pitch, pouring rain and they worked their socks off in the, in the warm-up. They worked their socks off in the game they weren't quite accurate enough. There's a couple of times they, uh, if they'd had a bit more trust in their backs, they just kept the ball a little bit too tight. But I think um, he was pleased by the performance, and uh, I think he, he maybe was a bit taken aback that we would have expected anything less from them. I would be inclined to say because they're eighth in the top 14, they're going well. Uh, you look at a side like Perpignan, who are bottom, and you can't imagine them turning up here in December and doing that because. You know, you've, you've got to cut your cloths to suit where you are. And he's, Rory Teague, you know, alluded to the fact we'll be playing Bordeaux last in this group, uh, or this pool, in January, in Bordeaux. And both sides will be a lot further along in their seasons. And they'll, they'll either have a lot to play for in that match, or they won't. They will. I think the fact that he was an English coach, he brought an, an English mindset to the French team. He did. He's he's Gloucester, and we know what Gloucester are like. They're very much they do like the hard edge. They're traditionally one of those sides. So you 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 can't park what you've grown up with as a player when you go into coaching. He, he's also quite young, so he's he's only thirty three. So relatively speaking, raw as a coach, um, they were very powerful up front. I thought I, I agree with William. I did think at times, given what we saw from their backs, that they were at times. Almost too traditionally, almost too traditionally Gloucester in a sense. But there was they they could have they could have if they believed in it gone with their backs. They did some nice stuff. I think they will feel disappointed with the try that they can, uh, which they uh, which they which they botched because it was a very well thought out straight kick from a penalty and the winger should really have caught it. But in terms of where they were going, I mean we I mean the last team that came here and gave us a real game was La Rochelle and even they kind of stopped after 60 minutes and you would expect that when the, the substitutes come on there's a lot, drop in intensity from the French teams but if anything they almost seem to they almost seem to rev it up and I think they I think we would really not look to be going into the final game not needing a victory over there because I think they will really cause us a lot of problems especially considering that he made he made 12 changes from last week he's got a very good team sitting at home he does indeed mm-hmm. And last night, Lindley Sale got a bonus point win away to Perpignan, which is going to really colour what happens next week when we travel to Manchester. Yeah, brilliant start for them, isn't it? Pity it wasn't us who were over in Perpignan. Maybe, the, you know, we'd be sitting pretty at the moment. Look, Sale are number one seeds. 
we know that they haven't been doing well in the in the, in the Premiership, but they're still the number one seeds, and they can still probably pull it out when they have to. They might see this competition, you know, as an opportunity for them as well. So, yeah, it it, it means that they've they've set the tone over there, haven't they? This you know, and and we have to follow suit. We certainly do. But back to today's game. Who played well for us, William? I thought Jared Butler had a good game. I thought a couple of times he he really had to sort things out. Uh, and I thought Kyle Govan on the wing was, you know, he was he's normally a centre. He was quite happy to play there. He scored two tries. He's quite happy in the interview with not so much his own performance, but the fact that he's back. You know, he talks about the competition for places and how hard it is. Um, Caelan Blade had his moments. Jack Carty had a kind of a quiet game. Um, you know, he's played a lot of rugby. And the pack worked well. I mean, the line-out was, was faultless. Um, James Cannon uh, did a good job there. The front row held up well. They won a couple of scrum penalties. It was all good, but perhaps not. You wouldn't have said it was very good. And that maybe is what the frustration is. I think listening to Andy Friend when he speaks to me and a little bit later in the press conference, is just he's just a, a slight bit... Uh, I think he's a bit disappointed that they didn't impose themselves more in the game, especially when they had a lot of uh, possession and position at times. They did defend very well in the first half. That that kind of took the stuffing out of Bordeaux. It, they never really came back into the game after that as much of a force, but it was a pretty mundane match uh, dictated by the conditions. I mean, it was pretty miserable here. It's not cold, but it was wet and the wind and... It's a typical sports ground afternoon. I mean, you get plenty of them and they're only going to see more of them. It's October now, it'll be December soon. So the, the Connacht will probably have to alter their game plan a little bit. And I thought they didn't turn them a couple of times. There's opportunities to, to move them around. They were a big side. Move them, get them, get them running uh, and, and challenge their skills going back. But look, it's a win. You would have liked five points because that would get you level with Sale. It's a big job on next Saturday. And that's going to be a big game because I think... Sale probably still in their own minds feel okay. We're down the bottom of the Premiership, but we're not going to get relegated. We're good enough to avoid that. It's pretty competitive down there, though. So I'd be interested just to see what side they pick. Adge McGinty would have won the game last night. They had nobody to control it. And once Perpignan went down to 14, uh, Joy Neville made an absolutely correct decision. Nearly drove the fans bananas, but there was nothing. She was absolutely correct. It was a high tackle, a high. Uh, forearm into somebody's throat that's a no-no uh, and they, they they ran away with it in the second half but I'm, I'm really looking forward to Saturday now I think it could be a humdinger of a game Yeah, let's hope the weather is a, a little bit improved Peter McCabe was having a, a cracking game until he went off to an injury that could have possibly come from a dodgy hit but I don't know Dave, what did you see? I... This is a problem. This is this is one of the major disadvantages of being in a game with no TV coverage. You can't really look back on it. It wasn't shown on the screen. Therefore, I don't know. It could just be a clash of heads. It could be a hit a shoulder. Or it could be, as I initially thought, that maybe there had been a, a high arm used. They've actually come out this week and said that that is a straight red card, which is why William is completely correct. Joy Neville was completely correct last night. And we see that Kane Fonatia got a three-match ban, even though he wasn't even yellow-carded uh, for, uh, for the Ospreys. Sorry, for the Scarlets. Um, yeah, he was having a stormer. I mean, I think Peter McCabe is one of those guys that we have at this club. There's a large, large amount of them who, they come on, they do a job, but they're not the Bundys. They don't, the, the, the kids don't chase after Peter McCabe to get his autograph, but I think they should. I thought he was super. I thought he had a stormer, storming half an hour. Uh, 
does always does a job in the scrum. Wins, wins as many penalties from the scrum as, as, as Dennis does. Um, and showed a turn in the loose today that we don't associate with monster forwards. Sorry, monster uh, brought up props. I thought he was super. I thought he was having a cracking game. He creates the first try. You could argue, possibly, if he had a sidestep, he could have got himself. Or if somebody had supported him, uh, they, they could have gone over. But Kyle picked up from the base of the rock and did very well there. Um, yeah, it was. I thought he had a storming game. I think himself and the likes of James Cannon and Conor Curry, they never let the side down. They're not superstars. But you don't need superstars. You need guys who can guarantee that you get wins. And I thought, those guys, we should really praise them more. Because they are, they're not the superstars of the Bundys and the Jacks. But, my God, you can't win championships without those guys. Leinster have 30 of them yeah yeah indeed yeah because Conan O'Donnell came on and, and actually played very well Lindley yeah, it was great to see a young man I think his last time we played in Europe was 2015 look I think the beauty of this team at the moment is the fact that we uh, are developing a squad not just you know a first team with a, a couple of people who have to fill in when, when necessary I think it is I think that's a really really good thing that is happening at the moment and I think you know apart from Peter McCabe I actually thought Shane Delahunt was superb as well. In fact, one of the I think one of the critical areas where we actually turned over ball was Conan O'Donnell and Shane Delahunt combining, and, and a ruck down there turning the ball over. We went downfield and scored that the try that actually sealed the match. And I think the squad system is definitely working. And I think even the fact that the Eagles were training have been training with the Connacht senior side, which meant these youngsters like Conor McEwen, etc., were able to just seamlessly slip in there. And I think. You know, I I thought at first it was a bit risky to be putting these these young players in when they hadn't played all season, you know, for the senior squad. But you know, obviously the coach has faith in these lads, and 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 with, you know, obviously for good reason. And I thought I thought they were superb. I think it's key that when you go right back to the first time we met Andy Friend in Ballina, which seems a long, long time ago now season seems to have been going on forever but it really hasn't he talked about that now it's very easy to talk about it and talk about squads and everybody gets a chance and you know every, every, not everybody is equal because you have your starters but if you show up and you, you, you take on board what we're doing you'll get a go and then you lose a few games and that goes out the window and it's the same guys are out there and they're being told to go out and sort this out and we have to win. It's great to see, as Lindley says, players coming in, they're ready to go, they're excited. Uh, I spoke to Joe uh, Maximu after the Eagles game last week. He was the captain. He was very disappointed with their performance and that they'd lost. And But he got his chance today. He's been doing well in training. So that, that's key. And it's the only way to do this. You you can't flog the same guys around the park week in, week out. You have to have, and the players that come in have to have belief in themselves, belief in the system. And talking again today, listen to what Andy Friend said there about the penalties. I think he feels that part of that problem is penalties being given away because players are not trusting themselves or they're not trusting their mate. And he, he wants this sorted. Yeah. And he's quite frustrated about it now because it's, it's, it's been going on all season. Uh, and that, again, is just, that's a work on. And if, if they can sort some of that out, because, uh, again, that's why he wants to be able to bring players through and everybody coming in. And I, I thought they all did well today. And obviously, young Conor McKeown came on. He gets three minutes and, you know, he gets off injured. And that's tough. It looked a nasty one, too. Yeah, yeah, they had to cut his jersey off. He came back out and his jersey was wrapped around his waist because they'd, they'd cut it off him, so it looks like a dislocated shoulder or something. 
possibly worse. Um, one of the things that was great to see is that when the, the three young players come onto the field um, near the end of the game, Bundy went over and individually tapped each one of them and said, welcome to the field. Did you see that, Dave? I did see that. It was, it was when uh, Conor Fitzgerald and Conor McKeown came on. I think it was a good touch. I initially thought, actually, are they taking Bundy off? But actually, no. Uh, it, was, it was actually during the conversion. And I think a lot of people may have missed it because they were watching Jack take the kick. But he did. He tapped them on the board, welcomed them on board, told them where to, stand, where, to, where to go for the kickoff. And all that. It was good. And that's what you need to do. It's a team bonding spirit. I mean, I think, at the, I think what Andy Friend has been, has been, has been emphasising is that you earn the right to wear the 1 to 15 jersey but you don't stop that just because you've earned the right to wear it doesn't mean you can stop you have to be your performance has to be maintained and therefore if that standard drops he knows that there are guys who are, who are fighting out and the Eagles games even though they haven't won any have been very important because we, we were here last week Joe Maximu played last week James Connolly played last week Fitzgerald played uh, McKeown came on as a sub um, they all had done enough for the last few weeks to say, yeah, I can throw these guys in. I can trust them. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll see it again uh, next week because there's a game on tomorrow against Ulster. Uh, guys will put themselves up. They're going to have to make a change because we have. If Kieran Marmion isn't back, we need a new scrum half. That's the chance for James Mitchell. Now I know he had his his knee was heavily strapped last week, so James Mitchell has a chance to step up. Jack has got to be rested. Jack can't start every game of the season. Nowhere at half can. Dave Horvitz has a chance to, st- to prove that he's back from injury. And there could be somebody else. I've been very impressed with the two centres, Joyce and O'Brien. And I'd like to see Hugh Lane given the chance. The butler took his chance. Why not give Hugh Lane one? Yeah, so talking about squads, like, you know, we looked at Leinster last night and they played 14 of the 15 guys that played here two weeks ago and, and were brilliant defensively last night as they were two weeks ago, which goes to show that the defensive effort we put up just before half time lessons have been learnt well those defensive efforts are huge because they give you a bit of courage and they give you they just give you a good feeling and they got nothing out of it it's hard work uh, that Bordeaux could have asked a few more questions because they could have got it a bit wider but I think they pride themselves on that sort of work and it's all about lessons to be learned and I mean uh I think they'll take a lot out of that Leinster game because Leinster last night took Wasps apart and they're capable of doing that to anybody. If your concentration drops against them, you're going to get filleted. Connick's concentration never dropped in that game. They just kept at it against Leinster and they've brought that forward now uh, into the win last week in Belfast where they had to do some defending there as well at times. And today they've had to do it. And it's just the, it's the bits around that that need fixing, particularly in the issue of penalties, which we've referred to. Yeah. Lindley? I just take slight issue with the concentration levels because there was one major moment that could have turned the game when they did lose concentration and that was they should have been awake to your man's crossfield kick to the winger and it was just by chance and by luck that obviously the, 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 the winger knocked on but there was no one over there to defend that. And the question of course is if we'd had a TMO would we have been able to define whether he definitely knocked it on or not? Well I think at these level games when you you are in a European competition I think that the TMO is absolutely essential I don't think there's any question about it and in fact I'm quite shocked that at this level in a competition I know it is the lesser competition the tier 2 competition when it comes to Europe but this means something for all the teams who are competing that are competing and if you don't have a TMO it's really up to the linesman and it's up to the referee um to make a decision and that decision can be wrong and and it also and it also in in this particular case you could see Bordeaux the frustration from their coaches on the sideline demanding to know why 
there was a replay of a Connacht try in the other end and not for them, for whatever reasons, I don't know. But it's obviously frustrating for them. And it may have shown something different. It may have shown exactly the same thing. But let's be fair and clear it all up. We should have TMOs to make those decisions. And it shouldn't be in the hands of possibly the sighting commissioners or whoever. Yes, Dave, just, just, to, just to expand on what Lindy was talking about there in the second half, Kyle Godwin's second try. What happened? So what happened was that we got up to the line. Um, we then started to spin at uh, Keelan past the Jack, and Jack decided to kind of cut inside and was kind of, he was half tackled, and he didn't throw the greatest pass of all time, and it hit Keen Keller's feet. Now, Kyle Godwin then scoops the ball up and dives over. N- ref initially, now I thought my issue with it initially was I couldn't believe the ref had called him talk on from where he was standing, but then it was pointed out to me that the linesman had called it, and I said, okay, fair enough, okay, fair enough. Um, it then seemed to be a case where Mike Adamson went over and talked to the linesman. Now, where the problem arises, and this is why I think Bordeaux do have a case to be a little bit, for the noses to be slightly out of joint, especially for their try, was as the referee was talking to the linesman, by some bizarre coincidence, the incident just happened to be replayed on the big screen just uh, just kind of very close to where the two of them were standing. Do I think it had any influence on the decision? I'm not a referee. I don't know. Um, but uh, it looks... It's the aesthetics of it don't look good because you, in a competition where... In a game where there is no TMO, it isn't the cleverest idea to actually show a video of the company because that's patent that you're not supposed to. I agree with Lindy. I think in this situation, there should be a TMO at all these games. And especially given that there was a TMO at the other game in this group that is the same competition in which different rules are being applied, and that's my biggest issue. It happens in the Pro 14. It happened in the class. We've had a couple of games here in the Pro 14 where there's been no TMO. Either every game has a TMO, or not. No not, not this year. Not this year. Not this year. But prior parts of the season, and that's one of the big things about the about all the games being shown. It means that is no that anomaly is gone. But but in a competition like this, either every game has a TMO or no game has a TMO. And if every, and I don't care how you do it, it's not like there aren't the. the the TMO doesn't have to use the TV for the. There's enough cameras showing these games that a team, this company can be sitting in the box reading the feeds. So there should be a TMO at every game. Otherwise, just get otherwise just get rid of TMOs. And I don't think that's a step. That's that's a good step either. No, William. Um, there's only one camera here today. It's just a feed camera. Uh, I agree. I'm not sure that replay should have been shown until the decision was made. You'll never get TMOs at these games. Television aren't interested in them. You have to have 12 cameras minimum for a TMO. That's what the accepted rule is. And unfortunately, this competition, you only get one live game in France per round. Uh, BN Sports showed that game last night. I would agree with Dave, but they'll, they'll never agree to this. But I actually think last night what they should have said was we won't have a TMO, even though the game's been televised. But then, of course, the fans will see it at home and a mistake. So it's very hard. It costs a lot of money. Yes, and on, on that money, does this come back to the fact that Heineken are now the Champions Cup main sponsors again, but they're only paying about a third of what they used to pay? Well, they're not sponsoring this competition. No, but they're sponsoring the Heineken, which is the parent one for this. Well, the parent one, all the games are televised because there's a market for it and you can sell it around the world. Uh, I don't think Connacht and Bordeaux would be a big seller. But it, it's it's an issue that's not going to go away. It's going to keep happening. I thought that looked a bit odd. I, I can't say for definite did the referee look at that. It was right beside him. The other try was as far away from the big screen as you can get. Um, yeah, just to clarify, so the big screen is in the 
top right hand corner at the Bohomore end and Godwin's try was just in that corner whereas the, the cross kick for Bordeaux was in the opposite end the diagonally opposite end of the field which again was kind of far away yeah, it's a long way away. Uh, he could have gone up and looked at it, but he's not supposed to because, you see, it's not a television feed and there is nobody to refer it to. He can't go, then go up to the box and say, what do you think? It's a model uh, and it'll keep happening because there's, there's so few of these games televised and it'll happen again. It'll happen in the next round in a game somewhere and somebody will say, well, hold on. Um, so it, it's, it's a complicated one and you think... At some stage, it'll really mean something in the last group game and there'll be an incident, mightn't involve Connacht, and some team will be absolutely fuming. Um, so that's someone they maybe need to look at, but I, I can't see a way around unless you can get television really interested in showing these games. Yeah, I suppose the other, the other thing before we finish off with the game is that, something from my point of view, um, the big signing of the summer was Robin Copeland and he gave away a penalty and didn't come back on after being sinbinned after that penalty. So what's this, what do people feel? Is he, is he struggling? I, I will just talk about what happened today. I think Andy Friend made it quite clear afterwards that, and he said, made it clear, again, we're back to the, you earned the jersey, therefore you keep the jersey by playing well. And if you do something that is avoidable and the coaches feel you've made a mistake, then they are within their right to decide actually do you know what you've messed up you haven't you've lost the right to, to the start to the position we're going to bring somebody else on and see what they can do that was their call that's what coaches do at this level it has to be ruthless is he struggling um it, i don't i don't know i it, it, it any some players do struggle when they come to new places he also didn't hit the ground running he was injured for a while i think we're i think the other thing that isn't helping robin copeland is the fact that he's directly being compared to paul boyle who couldn't have started better if he tried so um, I'm not. I, I just. I just think at the moment, yeah, maybe it's a few bit of teeth and troubles. But I, I, have, I have faith enough in the guy that he'll come. He'll come good in later in, for the rest of the season. Good. That's how I feel too. So Bordeaux arrived on a charter flight, and they brought quite a few fans. There was, as I arrived, two busloads got out at the gate. They made a bit of noise, William. Yeah, they did. They arrived early with with around the same time as the team. Uh, and there was one chap brought a very large drum and I think he thought this was going to be a bit new for the sports ground and he was giving the drum a bit of welly and then the Connacht drummers turned up and in the end he realised very quickly that the best thing to do was go down and drum with them because his drum wasn't going to win great to see them here it's very important because sometimes they have five, seven, ten fans I've seen come with the French teams the English and other sides generally bring a few more but they were well into it, made a lot of noise, all part of it, and uh, it, it adds to the competition. It's vital, because Connacht will be bringing fans next week over to Sale, which is easy enough to get to, but there'll be plenty of Connacht fans in France too. There will, and, and actually at one point, it was just as well that we're here, because the game was sort of a little bit dead, and the, the clan stand was quite quiet, and the far stand was quiet. Then the Bordeaux fans started going, which sort of sparked off the Connacht fans. I thought it was a rather strange atmosphere. It didn't, I can't put my finger on it, but it didn't actually feel like a, a, a major European competition. And in fact, it's only when I hear that piece of music <laughs> that still, I still don't know the name of it every year that I actually start to feel a little bit of, of sort of tingles, of, you know, when that piece of Heineken, Heineken Cup or European music comes on. But as far as the ground was and the stand, maybe it had something to do with the weather, but it just seemed a little bit flat all of a sudden. And I, I mean, like, I, I don't think it was anything to do with, uh, you know, being Bordeaux Begley who were here. 
they brought their fans with them. I'm hoping as many Connacht fans turn up in Bordeaux actually when we go over there because to replicate the way that those fans um, were today. But I would say one thing. I don't know if anyone has actually been to Bordeaux Bagley for a Connacht match, but I was there back in 1998, I think it was, when Warren Gatlin. And I have to say, beware, Connacht fans, it was the most intimidating, intimidating ground, and the and the Bordeaux Begley fans were very, very hostile. So, while they were very pleasant here tonight, they may not be quite so pleasant over there. Yeah, and the, the Perpignan fans weren't that pleasant last night either, and it's actually somewhere I'm looking forward to going and see because um, they have a reputation of being giving giving a, an interesting welcome to the opposition, Dave. Well, yeah, they're French. All their welcomes are interesting. Um, <laughs> ah, look, I'm delighted. I'm, I was in. My sister was down for the weekend. She's staying at the Connacht Hotel. The team was staying there. I have to say, they were. They were. There was no member of the team or squad to be seen after eight o'clock. They approached it very professionally. A few of the fans walked in. It, they just. They enjoyed themselves. I'm glad they enjoyed themselves. Weather could have been nice. As in terms of the atmosphere, I just wonder if it was the three o'clock kickoff that made a difference. I really do. Even even five o'clock, we saw with the Leinster game, was such a cracking atmosphere. The other big talking point of the night, certainly amongst the media types, was the New Jersey, which was fine from the front, but on the back, we had numbers that could hardly be read. William? Uh, lime green on grey-blue does not work. Um, and it did lead to a bit of consternation at, on a couple of occasions as to which players were being substituted and trying to identify them. And once they got a bit of mud and they got a bit wet, the numbers completely obliterated. It's one of those things that happens on a designer's computer. It probably looked absolutely splendid, but I think it's back to the drawing board for that one. Yeah, we were talking to O'Shane Langan from News Talk and he said he was struggling away and Rob was struggling away and we were struggling away. It wasn't great, Lindley. No, I think if they make them fluorescent, maybe lime green, it might be a little bit better. We might be able to see them in the dark. But uh, (laughs) look, I actually thought that the the jerseys were actually reasonably attractive. I still think there's not enough green on them, of course, because we are Connet. But I actually thought that the the jerseys were attractive until we looked at the backs of them and saw the numbers. And even I was struggling through binoculars. Yeah, can't say I'm a fan of changing the jersey every year. And I certainly am a fan of changing the colours. It's something I was going to bring up in AOB teams wearing non-traditional colours in European rugby we have a very beautiful plain green kit they have a very beautiful plain maroon kit today the greys played the navies there's no I mean there is a logic behind it I don't agree with the logic behind it in, a, in and of itself the jersey is fine the front design is fantastic I love the way they've got the eagle incorporated into us but fundamental flaw design is you have to make sure that the, that you can identify the players we have a big enough problem with the fact that most of our young backs all look the same anyway so you have the situation where Colin Fitzgerald comes on and, and Colin the Butler comes on they are one is taller than the other one is slimmer than the other but from a distance they look quite similar Rory Scholes and Dara Leader are completely indistinguishable from each other if you cannot tell them but look at the back of the jersey and tell what the number is you are going to struggle we know our players but outside media won't know our players that's why Yoshin struggles he doesn't know these guys and it's just a fundamental flaw. Even if, they, if it's a grey on, it's a, if it's a grey on a dark grey, why not have dark grey numbers? Why not have black numbers? Or if you're going to use lime green, put them on a panel like they had a couple of years ago when we had the white numbers on the blue panel. It's simple. Somebody somewhere in the design process just thought, isn't this a sexy jersey? And didn't think of the practicalities. Though I still would love to know who thought lime green is a good, num- good colour for numbers anyway. 
Okay, I think we're coming to the, the end of the podcast. Anyone got any other business? Yeah, I just briefly want to say, I know this is considered the secondary competition, but look at some of the teams that are in it this year. You've got Clummer and Auvergne, you've got Stade Francais, you've got Ospreys, you've got, obviously you've got ourselves, you've got, uh, you've got uh, Worcester, you've got Harlequins, and you've got uh, a very much improved, it has to be said, uh, Treviso. Um, so yeah, so we, I know it's a calling it a secondary competition, but there's some, there's some very good teams in it. And then if we do anything in this competition, make last eight, last four, we'll have done very well because the standard this year is probably as high as it's ever been. It has indeed. I think we leave it there as the sun pops out behind the clouds and we've got a beautiful sunset here on the sports ground after a dirty rainy day. Um, we'll talk again on Wednesday and William and myself will be back with the Midweek Podcast. Bye, folks. Bye. Cut it loose Break out Or nothing changes Sad and confused Don't wait Until